Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. So what we're going to do is kind of a reaction video today. I like <gasps> a reaction video. What? What? This sounds complicated. You don't like reactions? No, I'm okay. We do reactions all the time. It's just this is a podcast. I. So how am I supposed to make that work? Well, it, it, this will be the kickoff for the conversation. We're going to watch okay. two short reels. We're, we're not going to watch them. We're going to listen to them. Okay. Even better. Hopefully there's no ads. I'm not logged into my YouTube. Log into your YouTube thing. <laughs> why? Why wouldn't you? Oh, hold on. That's the that's the shop where that's the, uh, your, the that one's a premium. See on the top left hand corner okay, says cool. premium. Got it. No ads here. Okay. What's that? You don't have to take your your lanyard off. You guys can keep it on. He doesn't want it to click. So. I don't want the jangle jangle. I appreciate that. Yeah, I the jangle jangles that jingle jangle jingle. <laughs> All right. So. Um, <laughs> Okay, in in the group, right? Um, good friend of ours, Paul Banner. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna react to me tasting this uh, ghost. Thanks for bringing me one. Warhead. I know. I feel bad. That's why I kind of left Actually, it in there. Kent wants one of them too. <laughs> I know, He's like, where'd you get well, it? I need some energy drinks. At, at, where did uh, you get it? Micro Center. I had to go get something of my, and I I feel I really do feel bad. I, that's why I left it in there. I'm like I'm not gonna drink it because I I should have gotten two. <laughs> but I, you know when I was like well, when I was walking out going hey it's got those bangs. Did you get through all those bangs? Yeah. What? Yeah, I got one left for in the morning. That's messed up, dude. How many were in there? Twelve. How's your blood pressure? Are you feeling okay? I'm fine. Just fine. I had to cut back my uh. My anxiety was just going. No, I didn't. It's too much. I, I, I've only I only drink one a day. Oh man, that oh, okay. that tastes like you're drinking warheads. Well, it probably is liquid warheads. So at yeah. least it yeah. was yeah. honest. No sugar though. Zero sugar. Um, don't, I don't like yeah, that other stuff, sugar. that aspartame and stuff like that. That's much better for you than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to kill you nearly. Can you remember your name? Not, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's David. Remember I'm pretty David? sure. Well, Next to aspartame in the dictionary is cancer. So yeah, it, so, so and Alzheimer's. Just just to throw this back in your face, it's sucralose, not aspartame. Sucralose. sucralose. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that that fools your body into thinking <laughs> it has sugar. So that's even better. <laughs> I love it when Cecil's here because it can like straight up put you in your place. <laughs> technically, technically, sucralose is actually thirty percent more sugary than sugar is. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. At mm-hmm. least that's what your body thinks. Yeah. That's why monk it's fruit's better because it's about seventy percent. Monk fruit's got a funk. I hate monk. Fruit. It does it's got have that a funk. After. It's got yeah. that, like I just ate shit and now I can. Yeah. Eat it. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> hey, how would you? 
How would you know? <laughs> I guess that's my curious. Like, how, He's saying metaphorical shit. Not <laughs> metaphorical shit. I, had a, I had an older sister, so I do know what shit tastes like, just so you know. That's messed up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that, that just raised each other back in the that day. Became, <laughs> that became... Uh, that became the YouTube channel's most famous reel. Uh, oh, this is being filmed. Crap, I gotta behave. Uh, stevia, you good with stevia? Yeah. It's sure. just not it's a It still fools your body into thinking you have sugar. It's a resveratol. But it's yeah. better It's better yeah. than some of the other crap. Better than aspartame or... Uh, no, no, stevia, stevia is, is not. It's a, a natural. No, no, no. I know. I said it's no, better no, no. than aspartame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, stevia is natural. It's yeah. naturally derived. Aspartame I was talking is, about uh, erythritol and the stroke and all that. Oh, yeah. You know. Somebody die. had a stroke off of erythritol? Oh, they, they released they, this There was study. a correlative, correlative effect or correlative data showing that a higher intake of erythritol uh, was leading to, was a stroke or heart attack? Stroke. Heart attack or something else. I, can't I don't yeah. want to have a heart attack. I, I want to have a stroke instead. You're right. Just lose one half. Yeah, but, just half of me. But here's the thing: <laughs> is they said everybody in that study had had already underlying. Been, yeah, yeah, had underlying. Had a, heart yeah, and then yeah. is the study legitimate? Well, yeah, they're drinking. Yeah. Mo- they're drinking cor- energy was, drinks most of their life. They're like, yeah. oh, just switch to erythritol. Right. It's, it's funny. All of these people had heart attacks. It was weird. I don't know what happened. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about now? Uh I'm good with that. Um, so one of hey, the things, uh, real quick, you made me drink this, and now I'm worried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had several comments the whole time we were here. They're talking about the podcast, and they're like, "Oh, it's better when it's live." And I go, "I hate doing them live. I don't like. I prefer to just sit in my office." And and they go. Yeah, but the banter back and forth is so much better. I'm like, really? Yeah. So what they were telling me is I need to be meaner when we're doing it on Good. On Good. The That's internet. exactly what we all need. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm t- not to me, okay? <laughs> hey, listen. No, I got, no, just I got you covered. I got you covered. I, got okay. I got you covered. Um, <laughs> so here's what I'm, I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up two videos. Our friend Paul Danner, mm-hmm. Scanner Danner, um, released a video a while back and man he got hammered by these people saying like you you should not be charging to learn how to work on vehicles now this is probably one of the most elite diagnosticians in the world yeah right and so if he's saying i have to do some r&d here we're not talking about a situation where this is not basic r&d this is not like i'm learning to work on your car this is i'm learning the system that is your car right so he's learning the intricacies. Plus, so, it, it changes all the time. So, yeah. frankly, in order for me to keep my skill set up, I have to charge your doctors. Your lo- well, we can have this conversation, but you know, your doctors and your lawyers—they're taking continuing education. Who's paying for that continuing education? You yeah. are. Okay. And by the way, when they have something new, some new disease or whatever that they're not recognizing, something they haven't seen before, they're going to do research. And who's paying for that? Well, and and so. We'll listen to these two videos, but but that leads me to a question I've been wanting to ask you. Okay, because we I, I posed this question in the changing the industry group, and and that question is, is it labor rate or is it labor hours? Right, because if we if we raise our labor rate, it's neither. Okay, 
How, how Ooh, that's do we... interesting. Maybe it's also. A, yeah. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. It's a labor, it's a labor charge. We'll get there. Okay, let's, let's do it. Research, learn your systems, on-the-job training every day that we do this. Is what it is. We should be charging for that. And and I know in the past I've said, yeah, we can't really charge all the time we have. And I'm rethinking that. Yes, this was on on the job training. Yes, I had like four hours in this truck. Can we bill for that? Can we bill for that? Absolutely. We should be billing for that. There's no way we should be working for free. It doesn't matter that we had to research this system. Did we fix the car when we were done? Did we make the right call? Yes, we did. Then we should be charging for all of that time. Charge for your time. Let's make some money. Let's change this industry. There's no reason why we should turn down these kind of jobs to take easier jobs that we make money on. These should be money makers. Doesn't matter how much time we had into it. Customer pays for it. That's what needs to happen. Research, learn your systems. What do you think? I love it. Um, frankly, uh, I, I watched, I watched the podcast almost daily or not the podcast, but the online mm -hmm. banter. Yeah. And there are things that are very concerning to me as okay. a consultant, a business guy. And one of the things is that you have a lot of technicians saying we're not being paid enough in this industry. Mm -hmm. So on, on that hand, and I absolutely agree with that. I'm the first guy to say that like an A technician should probably not make less than, I don't know, 150000 a year, probably more, frankly. You know, they ought to be on the level with one of the best doctors or, you know, the best programmer out there. What does that guy get paid? Because that's where we're at today in our industry. Okay. On the other hand, you have a bunch of guys jumping down the throat of somebody who says, charge for your time, even if you're doing research. And, and to me, how do I pay the technician what he's really worth or how do I get a even a junior tech, a, a C tech, trained up, and who pays for that? Yeah. I think I think these, I think a lot of shop owners they think there's some magical money tree that pays for the training and all of that other stuff, like it's, it comes out of their wallet and their wallet is just going to kick out hundred dollar bills for all this stuff. 
and nothing comes out of your wallet. Right. If, if the customer doesn't pay for it in some way, then you don't have the money and you can't pay the technicians what they're worth and what they deserve. And I'm going to go a little deeper here on this. We're in an industry where we cannot attract good people into our industry that can become trained because we can't start them out at a point where they can take care of themselves or where they think they can take care of themselves. And just because when I was a kid, you know, uh, uh, a thousand years ago, um, and and the the minimum wage was two dollars and fifty five cents, and the the shop was charging eleven bucks an hour when I started. That dates me, yeah. but that doesn't mean that we should be charging eleven bucks an hour today. Uh, we need to be charging a viable rate where we can pay a viable wage, even to an introductory guy. And I'll tell you right now, if if I go to the doctor and the doctor sees something, I don't know, I get some spot on my skin or whatever, and I'm like worried I'm going to die, and I go to my doctor and he doesn't recognize what it is, and he says, well, um, you know, I'm going to get back to you, Cecil. Uh, he's going to go and research that. Yeah, He's going to go into his vast library online. He's going to have one of his assistants look it up or whatever, and I guarantee you that I'm going to end up paying for that. I, I agree with you. And and so here's the thing. And, and I've I've felt pretty frustrated over this lately. Okay. And and my thought is this is that we keep having these guys who complain about the pay. Right. Yes. Now now look, I'm I'm gonna say this and it's gonna hurt some feelings. There's some guys and, and some of my close friends and I've been talking to them and they're like, Well, why why does everybody say that we're clearly not shop owners? Well, because you don't understand the perspective, and it's very clear you don't understand the perspective. You don't understand what we actually have to go through as shop owners. And I'm not saying like they don't have their struggles and they don't have their problems too. They do, but they don't. They clearly don't have the perspective or the understanding. And maybe that's on us because we've not given enough information for them to understand it. Right? No doubt. But I'm going to say this though: if if we're talking about pay, right? I got into an argument a while back. And, and we're talking about pay and paying technicians well. These guys are arguing that, well, I need to do side work, and I'm going to undercut. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge less. I'm not going to charge for marking up my parts. That's not right. My boss is charging too much, and that's why we can't make enough money to pay me more. But and the, it's, like, it's the exact opposite. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Like but If you take a step back and look at it, they, they, they don't have that 30,000-foot perspective to understand yet. They're part of what's causing the damn problem. Well, there's this whole thing in this industry that busy means money. Yeah, busy does not mean money exactly. And so a tech is not busy, and they're not getting paid. They think, oh, we don't have enough cars, so if we lowered our price, we'd have enough cars, and then I could get paid more. That that's stinking thinking. That's nuts. Exactly, it's crazy. Right? It's we need absolutely to, crazy. We need to be raising. Oh. There he goes again. Raise the labor rate. Raise the labor rate. Right. Ding the bell. But if we can't, but if we can't afford to pay our people what they deserve and i mean they deserve it yeah then then we're not charging enough period yeah. as an industry and while these other guys are going along without buying insurance and taking the liability and paying for the building and all the other crap you know and then they're charging you know $70 an hour $80 an hour $60 an hour uh and competing against my shop that costs me i don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to have yeah right I, I, how do I compete against that and and charge enough that I can pay my technicians what they really should have? But but we've done a really good job of of getting to the shop owners that are willing to learn, but we've not reached well, the yeah, technicians yeah, how, what, that what, aren't. What, what 
what percentage of the shop owners have we really gotten to? A quarter? Yeah, maybe, if we're lucky. I'll right. tell you that that some people are saying it's only maybe 10%. Yeah, right. It's, it's way less than that, dude. Yeah. We, we're not. No, I'm saying a quarter of a percent. Yeah, oh, yeah, a quarter. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. we're saying. And yeah. I would, yeah. prob- well, I would probably right. tell you we might be getting to 10%, maybe. <clears throat> but but what's the other 90% doing? They're, they're technicians that have, quote-unquote, become shop owners, but they don't even know what that means. Right. right? They don't know what a shop owner is. They don't is. know what the financial well, that means, et cetera. But, but I guess my question is, is how do we and, – and, and that was the purpose behind the group, right? Because we, we didn't have a place where everybody came together. And right. there was a lot of infighting to begin with, and it's starting to calm now. I hope so. But, but there was a lot of infighting, and, and – oh, We're going to get a whole mess of new people that come yeah. in, and the whole thing's going to start gonna over. Start over. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, All shop owners are bad. All shop owners are bad. All, right. And, and the shop, here's the thing is the technicians were saying that, and the owners were saying, all techs are bad. All techs are bad. I can't believe y'all would say that. I can't believe y'all would do that. So I, I, have, a, I have a client, and um, he really has a struggle with the technicians he has. He's got okay. one that's an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, so the work is inconsistent at, at best. Yeah. He's got another one that's just not smart enough to even remember that you you know you tighten the lug nuts with a torque wrench. Right. You know, and he's another tech that's that's learning. And you know, he's he's telling me that uh, the fault is always the technician's fault. Right. It's a tech's fault. It's a tech's fault. And I'm going. Wait a minute. You know, if the shop doesn't have the systems, processes, if we can't pay, if we haven't trained these guys, right? Right. And and frankly, we're in this hole as an industry right now. We're in a yeah. hole, right? Yeah. We, we're bringing, I don't know, 175,000 techs in the industry every year, and we're keeping 34% of those people. Right. We need, what, 875,000 to fill the current deficit? Today. Not yesterday. Today. And tomorrow, that number is going to be a million, and after that, it's going to be a million, too. And and even the a lot of the texts we have, and again, maybe I'm going to piss some people off. Yeah. But even a lot of the texts we have, they don't have the skill set that they need. Yeah. And it's very obvious. And then we have some texts that their ego is so big, right? That well, we shouldn't charge for for research because I don't ever have to research. Well, I'm sorry, bullshit. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm a business consultant. Who's been doing this for a very long time. I'm at the top of my game. You know what I do sometimes? Research. Research. Yeah. And you know who pays for that? My customers end up paying for that because if yeah. they don't, I can't make my mortgage and my wife gets mad at me and we can't buy groceries. <laughs> and, and if I don't get to eat, I'm really grouchy. And, and now we're in a situation where we can't serve the client. Yeah. Right? Now we're back to where we started because now we can't serve the client. And that's what I keep getting on to these people about. The shop has to make money because if something goes wrong and you've got to serve the client, if a tech gets hurt and you've got to do something to help that tech and they don't have any money, like, it's all over, right? Like, you know, it, there's no point. And so this leads in to the next video. So let's listen to the next video. Just a quick word today for you technicians out there and actually for the customers who follow what we do here on social media. Um, I just have one thing to say to add to the stuff we've been talking about, about charging for our time and changing this in uh, industry. Um, here's the key, talking to the technicians. You have to be right. If you're correct in your calls and you um, are not wasting the customer's money by needlessly throwing parts at that car, if you take the time to finish your diagnostic process to say, this is my problem, 
you absolutely should be paid for that time. And you customers that are listening, you want to pay this guy because these parts are super expensive and shotgunning parts at your car is way more expensive than paying for that diagnostic guy. So so let me tell a, a quick story. Okay. My son-in-law, love, love him. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy. He's a great, great father to my grandkids, great husband to my wife. But he grew up in a in a relatively poor family. You mean your daughter? Uh, nine kid, my 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 son-in-law yeah. to my daughter. Yeah, I'm there sorry. And, anyway, yeah, my son over here is going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> but but he's so when he thinks he thinks I need to find the cheaper route out. Yeah. So he's driving a, I don't know. This is a few years back, but not that many years back. He's driving a '94 uh, Dodge uh, in I don't know, Intrepid or something like that. Right? right. One of those little Dodge cars. Well, I thought it was a Nissan. It like was a little Dodge. blue Nissan? No, it was a Dodge. Okay. So so anyway, it 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 uh, it throws the power steering belt. Okay. So he loses power steering. And of course the engine lights are all on and blah, blah, blah. And uh he's he knows he needs to go somewhere. Now there's a shop in town, a couple of shops in town that we've worked with, and he knows that if he goes there, that the initial cost is gonna be higher. The rate will be higher, right? Right. So he's thinking, okay, I'm going to go over here to a quick loop because I know the price is going to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. So he goes. And they say, you got a problem with your power steering pump. Uh, somebody didn't put the the uh, pulley on correctly. The pulley came off. That's what happened. So we need a new power steering. I know uh, Dave is looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> and and any smart technician would go, what the hell? Yeah. So So anyway, so they sell him a power steering pump. And a belt, and they put it on in a new pulley, and they put it on the car, and a week later, it throws a power steering pump. So now he doesn't go to those guys. He goes to another inexpensive place, names I don't want to mention, and um, another chain operation where he mm -hmm. thinks it's going to be inexpensive. And they go, well, you know, the power steering pump is missing a bolt. Uh, it wasn't put on. It wasn't installed correctly. Yeah. So the belt came off. And, oh, by the way, now your rack and pinion is leaking. And so you need a rack and pinion, and the rack and pinion is twelve hundred bucks, and the pump is eight hundred. And I think he paid like five hundred to do the pump the first time, which I'm thinking, holy crap! In my shop, that would have been a thousand bucks, you know. Right. So anyway, so so he 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 goes back to the original guys, and he goes, those guys told me you didn't do your job right, and now I need a rack and pinion, blah blah blah. And they go, look, instead of charging you twelve hundred for the rack and pinion, we'll do it for eight, and then we'll redo the other job. Okay. So he does. He he pays the eight hundred bucks. He has them redo the job that they did. Put a new rack and pinion on the car, and a few days later, it throws a power steering belt. Okay, now, so so he doesn't know what to do. And I'm in Chicago or somewhere. I'm on the road. Yeah. And I get a phone call from my daughter, Dad. What do we do? Right. And I know the story because my wife's telling me the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, first of all, don't go back to either of those guys. Right. I'm going to call my shop. They're going to pick up the car. They're going to check the car out. They're going to let me know what's going on. Yeah. So I call up my guy, Tom, you know, can you pick up the car? He goes, picks up the car. The um, power, the rack and pinion is is done incorrectly. Right. The uh, bellows is now inside the rack because when they did the alignment on the car and tried to bring the alignment in, they twisted the thing without releasing the clamps on the bellows. Right. So now it's inside the rack and pinion. It's worked its way inside as you steer back and forth. Right. All right. So it needs a new rack. Yeah. The power steering pump only has one bolt holding it on. Oh, my the, God. Um, Again? 
Yes. They, they lift the bolt down yes. twice. And the and the and the um <laughs> the sway bar inlinks are missing off the car completely. And there's a couple of engine ground bolts that you would have taken off, you know, the, to do the rack. To do yeah. the rack and some of the other stuff. And the engine grounds are not where they're supposed to be. They're just out in, there. in yeah. nowhere, right? Yeah. So he's like, Cecil, it's going to take about $2,400 to get this fixed. I think I can save the rack and pinion, but we got to put this, we got to do this, we got to do that, et cetera. And, and oh, by the way, while we're in there, um, guess, guess what the tensioner for the power steering was? You could put your finger on it and move it. Yep. So what was the original problem? The tensioner. The tensioner, probably. And maybe they would have said, look, you got a tensioner. We could put a tensioner on. Everything will be okay, but you need belts or you need, you know, right. this thing needs maintenance or whatever. And and there was a power steering leak even then, yeah. but you could see where someone had folded the power steering pressure hose in half oh to get it God. out of the way, right? right? And it was leaking from there because it's old power steering pressure hose, right? right. So – um, I, I call the the place that did it. I get some kid, and I'm lucky we weren't face-to-face because I would have choked him <laughs> to death. You know, and he's the manager of this store, and he's like, well, you know, we have to go through corporate, and we it's not our fault, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he I said, okay, give me the number of corporate. He gives me the the email to to, to put my complaint in okay. and, the, and the phone number, and guess what he gave me? Fake emails, fake phone really? numbers. Really? Yeah, to corporate. So I have to look it up. I call corporate. I say, look, here's the situation. I have pictures. I wrote out, look, here's your what you guys did. Here's what you didn't do. And now I'm thinking, what kind of power steering pump is on this car? What kind of rack yeah. is on this car? What, did, what kind of garbage do they put on this mm-hmm. car? It cost me $2,400 to fix this car. Now, they sent us a check back for the 800 and the 500 right. that they did, but they didn't send us a check for all the damage that they created and all the right. other stuff. So was cheap... Cheap. Actually cheap, right? Yep. And so, and, and so we we have a we have problems in this industry. Okay, yep. we don't have enough technicians, and it's obvious to me, if nobody else, that the reason we don't have enough technicians is we think we can start a guy out at eighteen dollars an hour, even if he's eighteen or nineteen, yeah. and he can support himself and have a life at eighteen bucks an hour while we train him, and then we don't train him. Yep. We put him out in a bay, and when he F's it up, we get upset because he should know how to fix the car, except nobody's really showed him how to fix the car. There's all kinds of data about how people learn and the time it takes. You want to be a master at something? It's 10,000 hours of doing that task. Right. So master technician, I would tell you it's a minimum of five years. Do do you know how many shops I've sat down and talked to that, that, you know, legitimate, well-known shop owners? who attempt to bring in an apprentice, who attempt to bring in a high school student and say, well, he, you know, he went to, he went to tech school. He went to the high school program. He should already know how to do this. No, three to five years, five years for him to become a technician. I don't have that kind of time. But you have to. You're not going to have a choice. Yeah. If you, if you compare the medical field to our industry in terms of aftermarket, what you would consider after, uh, your schooling training, right? So once you've got your doctorate or once you've got your you've graduated from tech college, right? And you're in your position, the additional education every single year in comparison ours to the medical field is like this. Right. And then the next jump is about twelve percent, twelve or thirteen percent. And I can't remember, I think it's legal. Might not be legal. But if you look at that and how much 
education it takes for us to remain proficient in what we do, uh, electrical, chemical, mechanical, all of that stuff that you have to continually learn. Right. After you've already gone through schooling, it's insane to me that you would even think that somebody coming out of this this college would be able to churn hours like the other technicians you have in your business. Right. Well, uh, okay. So, so we know it's a problem. There's zero doubt it's a problem. Right. We know that. Okay. So how how do we, so- Lucas? Well, hang on though. Let, let me let me let me share a story with you. David knows this story. I've talked about it already. Um. And and we, I, I want to preface what I'm getting ready to say with that we could have been wrong, but we had a lady that got into the shop that was not should not have been in our shop was the wrong client, okay? And I knew from the very get go it was the wrong client. I knew right away. Uh oh, here we go. There's a reason she got into the shop. It's okay. It is what it is. Sometimes this is going to happen. We're going to work through it. And we're going to go on. Right. Let's try to take care of it. Right. And so we do the testing routine that needs to be done. And I know that my, as a matter of fact, I was going to make a social media video out of it and, and like videotape part of the process. I was there when he did the testing. The lady calls back and says, or she emails back and she says, what you charged me for another shop just did for free because I didn't trust you. They did it for free, the testing, and they found that you were wrong. Now, what she's talking about is an airbag concern. Okay. And the way that we tested this concern was is we removed the airbag, we installed an airbag simulator, we function tested the, the system, the light did not come back on, the technician disconnected the harness on the other end at the controller, and then force-fed voltage through it and load-tested the wires going through the clock spring all the way up, and it passed the test. Now, is it possible we missed something? Yes, it is. It could be that you turn the steering wheel, You did this, you did that, something changed. Absolutely. We make mistakes. We're human beings. We don't always get it right. That happens. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, But the reality is, is that if that is the case, the light is on, I unplug the bag and I plug a simulator in and the light goes off, what does that mean? That means that the bag had to be bad no matter what. So I asked for documentation and she took it to a shop and the shop charged her $80 to replace her clock spring and they charged her $324 for a clock spring that cost me $294. And she tells me he is clearly a more competent and and more capable. Honest. Right? Honest. Honest right? Stop. And and so, you know, I look at that and 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 every day, every single day, we, we had a we had a Volkswagen in. Super nice lady. She went <laughs> it was really cold and it had gelled up. And so she brought her car in because it wouldn't start. We pulled it in the shop, let it warm up. And and she came. She's like, guys, I've got a cancer treatment. I've got to go. Is there any way I can pick my car up? I said, I've got fuel treatment on the way for the car. But that being the case, like, it's warm enough. It's not going to gel back up. Go ahead and drive it. Just stop and get some fuel treatment. Go into the store. Tell them you need diesel fuel treatment. And they will find a treatment that's suitable for your car. And they will help you get it. Well, what they gave her was a box of blue death fluid. Yeah. And so it got pumped through the fuel system, caused all kinds of problems. Well, she goes to the shop, and and when the car comes back in for basic maintenance, and I said, I would like to be able to attach that service history about what happened to the car to our information. So if anything ever comes up, I can look at that and reference that so we know. And she gives us the ticket. And 
I noticed every single service on there, they've got their labor rate. Lowest labor rate in town written across the top of the repair order, $80. But every single job on there was about 120% more labor than what we had with our matrix, right? So a job that was two hours was five hours. Yeah. And their cheapest labor rate in town is all of a sudden $175, $180 an hour. How do we compete with people doing that? Like, if we're going to raise the industry, if we're going to fix this, if we're going to start charging what we should charge, if we're going to take it to the next level, how in the hell are we going to do it with people doing that? The other the other shops in town all get together, and they all go over there. They pull the guy out <laughs> behind the barn and beat him to within an inch of his life. Uh, no. I, <laughs> he's joking, everybody. It's, it's, a joke. Joke. it's all a joke. It's, it's a seriously joke. a joke. Oh, you would certainly like to. Um, <laughs> you know, when you, when you, when you look at, at, at a bell curve, you, you always have like the top top 10%. You got to toss that away. You got the bottom 10%. We're always going to have... David. We're always going to have some people in our industry that are just um, devious bags. and dirt bags yeah. and whatever. And, yeah. and by the way, there isn't much we can do about that. You know, you would hope that when you when you're when you're a service advisor. So I, I had a lady come in the shop and she needed motor mounts, and we went to the local Chevrolet dealer to buy the mounts, and I gave her a price, and she calls me back later and she says, "Well, yeah, but the dealer's cheaper," and I said, "Okay, uh, the labor's cheaper." Or not the labor, but the parts are cheaper, right. right? Than the dealership because I'm marking the parts up a little more than the dealer because I have to make a certain margin on those parts and I'm given a better warranty and all the reasons mm-hmm. that that happens. And she says, "What? Well, well, the parts are cheaper at the dealership." And I said, uh, "Okay, but the whole job at my shop is about $150 less, right? Because I'm going by my labor plus 20 percent, and the dealer is is going by their labor plus 100 percent." Right, mm-hmm. so their right. labor is much higher than mine. Yeah, and 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 I talked to that woman till I was blue in the face for at least thirty minutes about it, and she would not let me fix her car because the parts were more expensive from my <sighs> place than that place, even though the whole job was more at the dealership. And she actually took her car to the dealership and had the motor oh mounts replaced God. and paid more money. Right, right, and so sometimes you you, you can't you can't make sense of it. It doesn't make sense. But I, I'm going to go back to we have these problems in our industry, right? right? We have a problem that we can't find and attract good people because basically we just can't afford to pay them to learn over two years, make yeah. the mistakes they're going to make, et cetera. We can't pay attention to them 24-7, all that. And we think that a guy goes to a tech school and he, sh- he should know how to fix a car. Not I a can chance. tell you every guy I ever got out of a tech school he, – he, he didn't even know what how to do a front brake job, right? Yeah. Because he never had his hands on it. There are two things that you absolutely need for expertise. One is education, knowledge. You have to have the knowledge. Yeah. And the second is experience. And you can only get the experience one way. And that's by putting your hands on the car and working on the car. I mean, there's a a good technician has a touch and a feel <clears throat> for things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, but I put a, a billion lug nuts on cars. Never once did I use a torque wrench in my right. entire life. I knew my torque gun. I knew what it was to tighten that that correctly. I've been doing it all my life. That's how I was taught, right? And it wasn't until way later in my career that they came out with torque sticks and all of that, and then we started using those. 
I just knew my tools because I had used them so often. Right. Right. And you cannot expect some young person coming out of school or even some old person coming out of school to have that knowledge because yeah. they don't have their hands on. We have another problem. We have a bunch of technicians. Maybe it's not the majority, but it's certainly a loud enough voice that are saying, all shop owners are dirtbags because they've treated me poorly and they don't pay me enough and yada, yada, yada. Right. You have a bunch of shop owners, frankly, that are saying, well, technicians are all idiots. Okay. Yep. And neither one of those people are correct. Exactly. And then you have a bunch of technicians saying, and some shop owners saying that all coaches are bad because all coaches are saying, raise your labor rate. Well, holy shit, if we don't charge it, how are we going to pay it to people who deserve yeah, it? Yeah, and, and raise the level of the industry. I, I had a I had a heart to heart with a, a good friend of mine who's a technician the other day, right? And he was terminated from a job, completely unaware. And and we've talked a lot about the dangers of an echo chamber, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if we get into a if we get into a that's why groups make sense. Exactly, You're not in an echo chamber. Well, and and if, if we if we let it roll. Right, we get between two or three people, and we're going back. That was super unfair. I can't believe you got treated that way. That was oh, he's this, he's that, and all of a sudden that voice gets louder and louder until it convinces us that it was somebody else's fault. Now I'm I am a firm believer. Everything that goes wrong in my life is my fault. No, it's not. It's not my, in my life. No, no, it's everybody else, dude. I am literally perfect. <laughs> I. I but you're Cecil. I mean, that's completely different. <laughs> Kent, Kent that was agrees. a joke, everybody. <laughs> Kent, Kent agrees with you. Smile on my face here. No, Kent, Kent agrees with you. Yeah. He knows that's true. You're his dad, and it's okay. Um, but but 100% ownership, and it's not because like I, I genuinely believe everything is my fault. It's that if I acknowledge everything is my fault, I can begin to do something to... It can, puts you in control. To fix it, yeah, right. When when, it, when you when you put it on other people, you you blame everyone else. You are you are accept. You're basically saying, look, I don't have any control over that. I can't do anything about it. It's, it's on exactly. Them. You become a and victim. you can't change right. your situation. Well, and and so in this case, right? Technician. Some people prefer it that way, though. Yeah, they do. Well, we're, there, there's a lot of indications <laughs> that we we have been teaching people to be victims for a very long time because it gives us control, mm. right? Well, well, in, in this case, right, technician says, I've been treated very poorly. I was terminated. It's clearly because the shop owner wasn't a very good diagnostician, and I made a joke that he wasn't a good diagnostician. And so we begin to talk. And I said, you know what you should do? We were actually at the summit when this conversation happened <coughs> because I recognized that one of the chat groups we were all in had turned into an echo chamber. Yeah, I can't have and, that. And they were talking, and they were saying, no, 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 it's it's him, it's him, it's him. So I reached out and I said, hey, listen, I want you to call him and I want you to set up a meeting and I want you to do a debrief and understand where he's coming from, right? And so they did the debrief. They began to talk about it and he calls me and he's like, hey, I recorded the whole conversation. I asked permission. I recorded the whole conversation. Will you listen to it? And and we had a discussion and the discussion really came down to, is it possible that you had become that toxic employee? that you thought you'd never become. You were frustrated because you had one expectation, he had one expectation, neither expectation was met. You weren't as good of a technician as he thought you were. And and 
he had an expectation of that. You had an expectation that he was going to reward you this certain way. He didn't reward you that certain way because his expectation wasn't met. And now, because we're not communicating, you've become bitter. You've become mad. You've started speaking poorly about him. And guess what happens? Now we get into this circle where toxicity begins to grow. And what have we done? You've become cancerous. You've become an employee that had to go, right? And and all it took was a conversation. And look, I wasn't advocating for the shop owner. I think the shop owner did the wrong thing and didn't handle it. You the were right advocating way. for clarification, absolutely, right? And and one of the topics we talk about in the show all the time is seek first to understand. You have to understand what's going on. Yeah, you can't just like jump the gun and go at something and say, "Well, this is how I feel about it." So that's but, what it is. But think think about this. Um, think about if first of all. My expectations as a technician were clearly stated, mm -hmm. documented um, with the owner. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, if I came into a, a place as a technician, I would want to know that my expectations were clearly understood by the owner Yeah. so that I could be more assured that I would get what I need out of this. All right. right. And, and I don't think that's like, well, I demand this and I demand this, but look, if I come here and I do this, here's what I expect and here's how I expect to be treated and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, imagine that the owner clarified his expectations with the technician. Yeah. Nice job description, maybe a, a contract that kind of stated, when you do this, I'm going to do this. Here's what we expect. Show up on work on time. Here's what that means, et cetera, et cetera. We, we have this idea that, well, they've worked for other people. They should know how we do it here. Right, right. And, and and the fact is, they work for a lot of other crappy people who didn't know how to manage, who didn't know how to create good expectations. Most of the problems in our industry, and frankly, in our lives, mm -hmm. are communication problems. Yeah. Okay? Yep. We're, we're sitting back with an expectation. Lucas, I have an expectation of you. I expect that when you and I go out and have dinner, you're going to get a nice steak, and you're going to drink some whiskey of some kind That's or right. some bourbon of some kind. You know me And well. so if we go out and you don't get bourbon, I'm starting to think, oh, my God, I wonder if he's realized he has an alcohol problem. Or, you know, <laughs> right. I wonder what's going on. Is he, has he got a medical issue? You know, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm carrying this thing out. Is he related to Dutch? Because well, Dutch yeah, yeah, does yeah. that. Yeah. But, but so, I, so in my mind, I'm creating this whole thing about you didn't have a drink, right? Right. And what is that? And so now I, I, I walk away from you. I don't even ask you. I don't say, yep. hey, I know you're not drinking tonight. What's up? Um, I don't say anything. We don't communicate. But I've already decided what the problem is. And yep. then I come, go to Dave and I say, hey, you know, Lucas has got a problem. He's got a medical issue. He's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And pretty soon everybody thinks you're dying yep. because you didn't have a drink because I didn't communicate with you. Yep. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a funky example, frankly. Yeah. But this kind of thing happens in the business every day. You know, when the guy starts to become cancerous, why don't I bring him in my office and say, hey, I noticed you did this and this and this. You know, what's going on? How can I help you? You know, am I not meeting my expectations with you? Right. right. And I always tell people, there's only one um, There's only one person I can control. Right. Right? I cannot. What, what David does, I don't control. Yeah. I might have some influence. I mean, I certainly know I can get him riled up if I want to, right? <laughs> right. But, but I don't control what David says or does because that's David. Yeah. But the way I treat David, the way that I communicate with David, right, might make the difference in the way that David acts with me. Absolutely. Okay. And so, you know, we have this, we have this thought in our head that, 
uh, I'm going to hire this guy. He's an A technician, and he knows how to do this, 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 and this, and he should know. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to we have a bunch of egomaniacs yeah. in our business that think every technician should be as good as them, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, well, wait a minute. You've been in the business 25 years. How many mistakes have you made, Yeah. right? When you were in the business two years, don't tell me that you didn't break a bolt on something because oh, yeah. you used the wrong tool. Don't say that never happened because – I know it happened. It happened to me many times. I have made more mistakes than anybody else I know. That's how we learn. Yeah. And so if we have these egomaniacs that think everybody should be as good as me, well, that's the only way we can charge the customer because it's not not fair to charge the customer because somebody has to research or learn. No, I'm sorry. You're absolutely wrong. You'll go broke. And here's the other thing that's caused. If you think about this, this, the other thing that it's caused, and and – you know, we, we talked with um, the guy that works for Cass just a little bit ago, right? And and talked about his experience and what he'd gone through and and so much. And and you know, look, when we talk about we have this big ego, right? Remember the Tim Kite video I sent you? He talks about the difference between a strong ego and a big ego. Mm-hmm. And and so when we have this big ego and we're afraid to be wrong, I remember when I first started going to trade shows and I started going to training. I thought I was the only person who didn't have comebacks, right? And and there's a lot of shops who go into this situation. They think they are so great. They think they are so wonderful, right? And and what you find is that when they really begin to understand and really take care of the client, they realize they're not nearly as great as they thought they were. They realize that they were in a situation where they were talking about themselves, but they didn't have a true picture of what their organization was, what their business did, and they were having comebacks. They just weren't coming back. Yeah. They were going to another <laughs> shop, yeah. right? Because they weren't being treated well, whatever it was. And so what did they do? They went and they talked about that shop to someone else. But Well, this came to me from such and such, and look, I've never had a comeback. Boys, if you're working on cars and you ain't had a comeback, you ain't working on enough cars. Yeah, or you're not working hard enough. Exactly. Right? So... And it, you and, make mis- if if you're if you're not making mistakes every once in a while, then you're not doing anything. Exactly, or you're hiding it. But but right? the problem is, is it's starting this thing where shops are talking about other shops and they're speaking poorly about other shops. They're speaking poorly about technicians. Same with technicians. They're talking poorly about shops. They're talking poor. Man, we've got to stop this crap of talking crap about each other. And if somebody's making a mistake over and over again, for God's sakes, call them and help them. Because in my opinion, all of a sudden, we're not talking about I'm better than that shop or that shop's better than me. All of a sudden, we're talking about there is a client driving down the road with their family in a car, and it might not be safe because that shop owner doesn't know there's a problem. Well, and I think think the other aspect of that is we're actually, instead of changing the industry positively, we're changing the industry negatively because – we're just talking crap about everybody else because, you know, our poop don't stink. Yeah. Well, I got news for you. You know, I, I make mistakes. I really hate the generalities. You know, yeah. I hate this. Well, all coaches, they're worthless because you had a bad experience with a coaching company. Yeah. It doesn't mean all coaching companies suck because you had a bad experience with a boss. doesn't mean all bosses are bad. Yeah. And if you had a bad experience with technicians, look in the mirror, babe. Yeah. Because if we communicated properly and we knew what the expectation was, people don't go into a job wanting to fail. Yeah. 
Nobody walks in the door in the morning and says, I want to fail today. Exactly. They fail because we don't define what the win is, and we don't define what failure is. And then when they do fail, we don't help them and pick them up and say, here's how you win. Let me help you understand how to do that. And if we don't get together as an industry, we're going to fracture ourselves, and, and the private equity companies are going to come in. They're going to buy up a bunch of shops for pennies on the dollar, and they're going to take over our industry, and then the consumer is going to get crap service at an unbelievably expensive price. Yeah, we know that. We've seen that in other industries. The insurance companies are going to control the, the uh, you know, the prices, etc. And all the while, we're sitting here pointing fingers at each other, saying, you know, all well, technicians are just crap, or owners are just crap, or consultants are just crap. We yeah. have to stop the backbiting and the bickering. I agree. And we have to come together. Now, 10% of the guys, they're never going to play nice. They're never yeah. going to play fair. And and what we do with those guys is we just ignore them. Yeah. We just don't support them. We just walk away. But the other 90%, we need to get our stuff in a pile, and we need to start working towards a better industry. We need to define what that looks like, what we think it looks like, and we need to move forward together. So what's the first step then? Stop, e- stop eating each other alive. And by the way, online in the in the online stuff, when somebody says, you know, my owner's a turd, don't say, well, all owners are turds. Yeah. Okay. I'm really sorry that your owner's a turd. Have you ever thought that maybe you should talk to him about whatever problem that you have with him? Absolutely. Right. Let, and and by the way, if he really is a turd, what you should do is quit and go find somebody that's not a turd. Yeah. You know what and, I'm saying? And and look, one of the biggest things that I will say is that if Every shop you've worked in, the owner's a turd. Yeah. There's a problem. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, it's like when you're interviewing somebody. Look for you're the like, common denominator here. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, well, tell me why you left the last shop. Or tell me why you're thinking about, well, the owner's an ass. And the owner this. And the owner did that. And, you know, he promised me all this stuff. And he never delivered. And, and et cetera, et cetera. And then you're like, okay, oh, okay, I understand that. I've certainly heard that. Well, Tell me up the, the owner before that. Why'd you leave the business before that? That owner was really an asshole. And you, you, like the last five guys they worked for were an asshole. I'm, I'm like, I'm not hiring this guy because I'm pretty sure I got asshole all over me. Right? You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't perfect, baby. But right. but if we if we said, uh, look, uh, I'm looking in the mirror and uh, I have created some of this. Some of this is my problem. Yeah. And I'm going to change my behavior. Yeah. Right. So online, let's stop talking crap about each other. Yes. All right. 100%. Period. Yep. And and by the way, Lucas, if you and I we go out and get a drink and you know, kind of late in the night, it's only you and I, let's talk a little crap about somebody. Right. All right. But not publicly, not no, not David. I won't talk crap about David. I actually like David. I like yeah. the, the back and forth with him. So um, he's <laughs> yeah, looking I, at him. I, I gotta be honest with you. There how many people are at Vision? I would say thirty five hundred. Yeah, thirty five hundred maybe. Well, Cecil, you're in the one percent then, yeah. because <laughs> the rest of them don't like you. don't like David. That's, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm not serious. I like I mean, somebody I that stands up for what they believe in. Amen. And and Amen. is willing to go to the mat for Amen. what they what they believe. In. Whether it's right or Whether wrong. Whether it's right or wrong is a whole other story. But that's that. You know, that's so. So the start is stop backbiting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number two. Just because another shop is more expensive than you in town doesn't mean that they're ripping somebody off. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a technician and you're not being treated fairly, the first thing to do is um, you know, think about what that really means. 
uh, decide what that should be and go talk to the person that's treating you that way. Yeah. And because that's the only person that can can affect. Yeah. Right. When I had um, in my in my business, uh, not before this one, because we don't do backbiting in this business at all. It's, right. It's like almost a core value. <laughs> but in in my other other my shop, like if one of the technicians started talking bad through the grapevine, I'd pull him in my office. I say, I understand you have a problem with so and so, and they say. Oh yeah, that service advisor. He's a real. He doesn't like me. Blah blah blah. And I'd say, hang on a minute. I bring the service advisor in the room. I say, okay, let's work this out. And most ninety nine percent of the time, it was bullcrap. Yeah, it was just he did something I didn't like. It pissed me off, and now everything he does is wrong. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we need to get together as mm-hmm. an industry, and and it, it's more than one percent that has to yeah. get together. Otherwise, we can't affect real change. I, I, I think back to a situation that I've, I've been through um, and think back about a technician who was making a lot of mistakes, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars. And um, there was a discussion of, well, I, I've not got enough hours. And I'm like, hey, listen, the reason you don't have enough hours is because we can't trust you. We're doing our very best to like work through this and give you some time to figure things out. But I'm not putting you on full line. I'm not doing it, Right. And I, I was talking to a friend about that, and he said, you told him that? Damn straight. I said, yeah, of course I did. And he said, I've, man, I've got a bunch of situations like that in my shop, and I, I just I feel so bad because they're not getting the hours they need, but I, I don't feel like I can tell them that because I, I don't want to offend them. And I'm like, dude, if you don't tell them, you're going to offend them, right? Like if, if you're not helping them get better. A good manager's job is to help everyone else succeed. Yes. Okay. And so if you have someone that's working for you that is not succeeding, it really is your duty morally and and business-wise, it's your your job to to identify what the problem is, what the shortcoming is, and then help them overcome that shortcoming. Yeah. Now, there's a difference between I've got a guy that I keep teaching him and he can't learn and he's not smart enough or whatever. Yeah. And and frankly, that's a guy that you need to say, okay, bye, or you put him on what you know he can do. Right, yeah. and that's it. But but we have so much of this. Um, well, I think my boss is an ass because he doesn't pay me enough. Well, and the boss is like, that guy doesn't put out enough hours. I mean, how do I pay him more money? He doesn't put out enough yeah. hours. And then, but they're not talking about the real problem and solving the real situation, which is right. he just doesn't really even know how to read an ohm meter, or yeah. he doesn't know how to really test a a, a, a short in a system. No one's ever showed him, right? They all yeah. said, oh, it's easy. You just do this, this, and this. But he didn't get it, right? Right. We, we, we have to stop assuming that everyone knows what we know and everyone is as good as we are because that's not true. Let's right? go back to the apprentice thing. Uh, I have a, an issue. I have an issue paying someone to then teach them. They go to a tech school. What's a tech school cost? $23,000 or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's fairly years. substantial. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not getting paid $23,000 for you to show up at my shop and me teach you how to do something. I got news for you, buddy. Get over it. I mean, I'm serious. Get over I, it. I understand. Yeah, I understand because, that we, we need to move forward in a yeah. different direction. And maybe we need to say. But I have a the, problem with that. <laughs> yeah, but also maybe as an industry, we need to say, go to the tech schools and say, you're not getting the job done. I think the my perspective on tech schools changed when we had Eric, wasn't that mm-hmm. Eric? Yep. He goes, I don't think you understand what we're doing out here. 
what we're doing out here is teaching them how to not kill themselves. Yes. Or hurt the or giving hurt them somebody a basic else. understanding. Yeah. This of, is how you wreck a car. Yeah. And do it safely. And this is how you shake it before it goes all the way to the top. And this is how like this is how to not kill yourself or hurt yourself at the job. That's it. Then they leave, paying the twenty three thousand dollars. They show up here and I'm like, okay, do some breaks. And I'm like, I haven't done any breaks. What would they teach you? I know what brakes are. Yeah. Yeah. I know how they're supposed to work. I've seen a wheel with brakes behind it and a caliper. Exactly. I don't know how to take that all apart and do it safely. And and and, and also I remember I got I gotta I just gotta say this, you know, I did brakes for years and then all of a sudden um like Corvette came out with a like a ratcheting mm -hmm. uh uh caliper. You know the piston would ratchet, and if you tried to force it back, yeah. blow apart. It would it, you you tear it up. Guess what I did? The first Corvette that showed up, yeah, yeah, I destroyed it because I didn't. I, I'm so used to just like, oh, you put the pry bar yeah. in there and you pry it back a little, and it builds, you know, pushes the pressure back, and yeah. and okay, we're great. And yeah. I tried to do that, and so I use more force and more force and more force until <laughs> snap, you know, and um, and and I was a veteran technician at that time, sure, so. Can I expect someone else to not make that same mistake that I made? Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, 23,000, you would think the guy would at least know how to do brakes and really change oil and maybe be able to not cross well, thread the. In my mind, it's like, well, how about we make the cost 50,000? You pay 25 to the tech school and you come pay me 25 and I'll teach you whatever I need to teach you to make sure after four years so, you leave so, proficiently. So, okay, take your 25 in a different way. All right. So now, what's. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what's your what's your labor rate about 140 about 140 okay so so I'm gonna hire some young person guy or gal doesn't matter okay and uh, they're gonna come in fresh out of a tech school they're gonna be 20 years old 21 years old they will have some knowledge of the system maybe some really good knowledge about the electrical system etc but they will not have been able to do the job. Now, um, I got a master technician. I'm $140 an hour, which means I can pay that master technician about 60 loaded and, and keep my margin the where it needs to be. So I'm probably paying my master tech 45 maybe 48 and then I got the rest that pays the FICA and the feud and all that stuff. I'm going to hire this person, and I'm going to pay them 25 or 30 bucks. Okay, and that's what I'm going to do today because if I you try to pay somebody eighteen dollars, I even if you're in mm -hmm. deepest darkest Arkansas, I don't think you can get away with that and have anybody that you could really train. Okay, and uh, then I'm going to take my master technician and I'm going to pay my master technician four bucks an hour for whatever this guy produces for mentoring that that person. So now I'm into it uh, uh, less than forty bucks an hour. I'm still making extra money because I'm paying my master tech forty eight. Right, and I've got that eight dollar difference, and so over the next two years, I'm making my twenty five thousand back. Okay, as this guy grows, and as he grows, I'm going to give him more and more money until I can pay him, just like I pay my master, or I, until I can take my master away from him. And when I take my master tech away from him, where he doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore, now I'm going to take that four dollars that I was going to pay the master tech, and I'm going to give it back to the guy, and and uh, or maybe I'm going to give him two, and I'm going to keep two and get my twenty five grand out of yeah. it, right? So we have to think about this differently because if we think, oh, they're not paying me, so therefore I can't train them. A lot them. of dealerships do it that way. A lot What's of that? dealerships do it. The, yeah. Sort of the framework that you laid out. Yeah. The, a lot of dealerships do it that way and they have one guy watch maybe one or two guys and they kind of split the yeah. revenue. I, I'm looking at more of these, the mindset of the person coming out of tech school, walking into the shop, 
they need to understand that, hey, you still have three more years of education that you need to do. So let's have that conversation in the interview, right? I may be having that conversation, but I guarantee you go to five other shops. They're not talking about it. So I look like a weirdo. I, I look like a weirdo because I'm like, hey, listen, we need to talk about the next three years. This is going to be a roadmap. Do you of, want to be a master technician? Do you really want to have a skill set that yeah. is the best skill set in the industry? Let's have that conversation, and it, and that's what it's going to take. And 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 you know, I've seen guys that are like um, talented, who you can go. Here's a car. You show them a brake job once, and they can do brake jobs on any cars yeah. without you know mistakes. Right? Um, I've seen those guys. But for the average guy, he's going to have to do four or five brake jobs before he yeah. realizes how all that works. Yeah, and 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 so you are the weirdo, right? Be the weirdo, and and maybe I, I, you don't hire okay as many guys. Yeah, but you the guys you do hire are the right guys because they have the right expectation. Sure. If the narrative changes, though, I think I'll fight less. I'll be swimming less upstream than than. But, Okay, so I am right now because I've had younger guys come work. You laid it out, 20-something, out of tech school. I've already had that conversation with Eric, so I'm, I know that this guy, the only thing he knows is how to not kill himself. Yeah. Now, he's tinkering on cars on the weekends and at home and a little bit here, a little bit there, probably working on things that he shouldn't be touching, but yeah. whatever, right? He wants to do it's that. That's fine. Yeah. So the conversation that becomes, hey, the education that that degree that you got is absolutely not enough. <laughs> I don't want to say it's worthless, but he paid money, whatever. Yeah. So I need you to start working on online education. I need you to log into these classes. Here's the CTI login. I need you to start knocking out, and I map out his classes. Yep. And I go, this is school has not stopped for you. It hasn't stopped. It won't forever. And, and, well, yeah. sure, and but it, it's it's yeah, the hands-on stuff is is going to come as you learn theory of operation and understand the processes, understand how they work. I'm going to then put you into a role where you can do some brakes, you can do. So we started with some oil changes, some tires. He broke my tire machine up every which way you can possibly break a tire machine. Whatever, right? You, and you you sort of oh, just well. take those licks, yeah. yeah. But his desire. In his mind, he I'm telling you, in his mind, I'm done with school. I'm good. Well, so obviously whoever in school is not giving them the right mindset. Absolutely. Because, you know, I'm I'm so let's let's put the five top business guys in automotive in a room. And I don't mean like shop owners, I mean like coaches, consultants, mm-hmm. guys that have got a lot of experience that really understand this. Let's put five of those guys in the same room. Am I in that room? Mm-hmm. Do you, sure, David, you think I'm in that yeah. room? Okay. I learn stuff all the time. Yeah. One of the tenets for my company is that we have to stay relevant. Yeah. Right? So I have to keep learning. And so maybe the expectation at the trade school needs to be, look, you've started your education, but this is a lifelong education. And by the way, that's exciting, at least to me, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to learn whatever in, in 10 years and then there's nothing else for me to learn. Sure. Right? And so... I don't know. Maybe we, instead of beating the crap out of each other on the on the Facebook group, we should be saying, "Okay, let's recognize we have these problems, and we yeah. have some owners that are real assholes." Yes, right. Absolutely. And we have some owners that want to be really good guys, 
or really good women or whatever, but they just don't know how to do it. Absolutely. They don't know how to pay. They want yeah. to pay. They don't know how to pay. Okay, great. They can't we, see the path forward. We've they identified a problem. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about what the solution would be. Because if we don't get to the solutions, if all we do is bitch, 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 mm-hmm. then everything we do is wasted. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. completely wasted. And I am tired of wasting my time. Yeah. You know, because I, the older I get, the more the end, you know, looks like it's coming in sight and there's only so much time I have left. I can't waste it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I don't, I rarely participate on anything on the online forum, although I, I, I watch it all the time because I'm afraid if I say, um, okay, here's what I think you ought to do, I'm going to have 53 people come on there and try to argue with me or tell me I don't know what, the, what I'm talking about. Well, that comes with the territory. But, it, you know, I think reading through that, we, we use it to just yank on, on YouTube. But, it, you know, for you guys, it's an opportunity to see, like, this is this is what's on the ground. Yeah. Now that it, yeah. it's perception, yeah. it may not be reality, but in their mind, it's it's reality. And and it, here's the thing is that that if, if everybody is saying it, right, now it, it can be that this echo chamber is set up. Right, we've let social media become the, the, the echo chamber. Well, no, there's some, there's some reality to like, this. Oh, there is. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, we sure. know that techs aren't getting paid enough. Yes, we know absolutely. that. We know the shop owners aren't getting paid enough. We yep. know that customers, in many cases, are not getting the kind of service or the kind of job that they should have for what they right. pay. Yes. All right. We know that all that exists. So now we have to say, okay, if that exists, what actions can I take that would help to? Alleviate some. It would of require that. more resources. Yeah. And planning. If you plan to train the new guys that are coming in, if you plan uh, for that three year journeyman training to happen, um, and you've got a plan that means you can charge for the resources that would help you execute that plan, right? I need to charge, I need this much money in order to pay them uh, a living wage because right now inflation is rampant and kids coming out of school can't even. Like I could make 18 bucks at McDonald's and it's less work, less training, less involvement. And I might be able to own a McDonald's one day. (laughs) That's no. Well, maybe. (laughs) Well, maybe. I think most people walk into McDonald's. They don't have that kind of expectation. I'm not sure why they would go do that at all. I I watched, um, I, I was at a presentation a while back. You know who Jason Rainey is? Yes. And, and so Jason's doing a presentation on the apprenticeship program. And I know how Jason feels about the apprenticeship program. We've talked about it. Very passionate about it. And I, I watched him have to dampen it back. I watched him have to be careful how he presented it to shop owners because he was watching the room and he was seeing how they were responding to it. I watched him have to change how he was explaining it. I watched him have to say, you need to understand what these kids are coming in as, right? And and so there's a whole subset of our industry. I, I, I did a panel, and somebody on that panel is talking about, I've, you just got to pay your guys as little as you can possibly pay them. I don't have a guy that works for me that's under 18 or that's over $18 an hour. I'm, I, you've got to pay them as little as you can because that's the only way you're going to make money because I can't charge more. So than that on a panel? I don't believe you. I do. Been no there. way. You said it on the open? Yes. And I know so, there's lots of people that believe that. Uh, there are, they operate there are that coaching way. companies that are saying the only way to make money is make sure you pay your technicians as little as possible and drive them as hard as possible. 
and uh, yeah, drive as many right. customers through your shop as right. you can. It doesn't be, matter if you wear your people out. Be, be you'll, your, get no, you'll get more. Beat your vendor up. Yeah. Go, go to your tech and say, hey, you got to take one for the team. Like, I'm going <laughs> to need you to take one for the team. And and that is that is is out there, and it's being taught. Um, oh, my God. It makes me I – want, I want to choke somebody, right? It's just so wrong. Let me, let me ask you a question, Lucas. This is going on in my mind. So Scanner Danner, mm-hmm. one of the top techs in our industry. Yeah, by again, far. Again, if I put the five top guys, yeah, maybe the 10 top guys in a room, mm-hmm. he's there. Absolutely. If that's a guy that says, I have to research sometimes, then tell me about the, the, the average ordinary guy in our industry. You mean I we shouldn't charge for that? If he has to charge for research, yep. then why are we fighting against charging for research? Why are we having that argument? Well, if, if charging for research is such a problem, it's like it's like making the assumption that the customer is going to do their research for the problem to fix yeah. their vehicle. So let me ask you this then, because the the I think the issue that came up was is all these people attacked him for saying that. Yes. And and the thing is, is there's only so much you can fit into that time, right? Yeah. Because the, it, he did it in a reel. There's only so much you can fit in. And so in the comments, we talked a little bit about the process of how it's done. You have to know what the damn process is. You have to have a system for it. You have to have this set up the right way. You can't just go and say, I'm just going to charge for all my research and all my tests. If you're not doing a good job, that's called ripping a client off. But if you're not if you're not training these techs and actually training them where they're learning, yes, so that they get better and better, mm-hmm. and then like right now we have a problem in our industry because the best technicians are saying, "Well, I could do that job in three hours." Well, you probably could, but when you first started, it took you twelve. Yeah, and and we can't charge. We probably maybe we shouldn't charge twelve, but we can't charge three. You know, if the average guy is going to take seven or eight hours, then we need to be charging seven or eight hours for that job. Uh, is it's, this- it's the same thing as the whole diesel thing. At some point, we need to move away from the hour thing. Uh, that's what I was going to say. And just yeah. go to this is the cost of the repair. Yeah. Well, before you, this, you said, is it is it hours or is it dollars? What's the thing? And I said, neither one. It's yeah. not. This is what I. This is my hourly rate, and it's not. This is how many hours I charge. It is in order to do this job correctly. This is what the job costs, and then that's it. Well, well, in a sentence. So, so let's think about um, let's think about what's happening with warranty times and manufacturers right now. You've heard, you've seen it. They're dropping yeah. like. Well, I of mean, course, they are. They're they're losing their butts because they're not selling new cars, and they they got to make money, so they're going to try to cheat it out of whoever else they can get it from. But but this has been going on for years. They've yes. been dropping it little by little yes. every chance they get. Yes. Okay. And so, I wonder if we've not got into a vicious cycle with this. Because, for instance, there there was a I think it was um, it was a Ford vehicle that you had to pull the doors off to get bolts out to get the dash out, or maybe it was blend doors or something. I can't remember what it was, but it it was like a sixteen hour job, and technicians started finding a way around that job, and they're like, "Hey, I got to make hours on this." Now they were originally getting paid X number of hours for it, and they figured out a way around and they shortened it. So what happens? They lower the warranty time. Right. The manufacturer figures out these guys have found a way around this. We need to lower the time because we're paying for stuff we're not getting, right? And so now all of a sudden, old boys are out here changing parts. The time goes down. They're like, well, that's not fair. i got to find a way to do it faster. And each time, I'm not going to say that the quality dropped, but the quality changed. 
right? The, if you're drilling holes to get to the bolts in the in the frame or in the right, then, then yes, the quality dropped. Absolutely. Okay. But you know what I'm saying though. Yeah. We, there, there's there is a shift in quality. The mindset, and and that's something I've said for a while now, is maybe we need to rethink this whole thing because ours makes us focus on getting the work out the door. I need to go fast. It's not about fixing the car. It's not about Right, the client, but, but there has to be there has to be balance. You can't say okay, hours don't matter. No, I agree with right? you. I'm not saying that hours don't matter. Okay, I, I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying though is that maybe we should be charging based on the time that we're spending within reason. Right, we're not we're not just going off of a book time. We're not just setting a book time and going at that. We're saying, hey, this is how long it takes to do this job. So as as a as a tech, when I was a tech, it was all flat rate. Mm -hmm. And it was actually flat rate was a percentage of labor. Mm -hmm. And so in order to really make a living, I had to beat flat rate. So I got good at shortcuts. Yeah. Okay. I made tools. I I melted down, heated up, uh, rearranged, changed. So I could like, I could get freeze plugs done in an hour that the book time was six and a half. Yeah. Okay. But I worked hard to get there. I created templates for door panels so I knew exactly where to drill to pull the bolts. And I didn't have to, like, read the book every time or, you know, try to – I had it all down so I could do this hour-and-a-half job in 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's how I got paid. As owners in this business, if we pay for what the time the tech takes on the car, we now have a problem with our customers because one time they come in and I give it to David, yeah. who's a really sharp tech, yep. and he does it in two hours and I charge you, I don't know, 250 in labor or whatever. And another time I give it to Ken and he's my worst tech and he takes seven. Now I'm charging you, you know, eight hundred dollars, nine hundred bucks to do the same job. Yeah. That's an issue. And as an owner, when my tech is efficient, mm-hmm. does the job well, and I can charge what would be a normal price for this job, but he does do it faster, she does it faster, I'm now making money, yeah. which is one of the few ways in my company today I can Make I can money. put some money in the bank, yeah. right? Yep. And so there has to be some kind of a balance between all of this. And if, if you're a shop that's only charging what your tech time takes, then I don't know that I want to bring my car to you if the only guy you got at your shop today is your crappiest tech. Yeah, right. I agree. Nor do I want you to dispatch my car to that guy. Yeah. And 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 having worked with techs my entire life, it, I don't care how many techs you have in your shop. You might have a couple of superstars, but you also have a couple of guys that aren't as fast as those guys. It's yeah. you're never going to have all superstars. You just you you, you can't yeah. right. And and as a customer, I, I mean, I guess I'd, I'd like to bring my car only to you when your fastest tech, your best tech, is there. That's right. it. So, so but I'm every gonna come tech in thinks they're the best tech. Well, no, I, no, don't, no, I don't think no. that's true. I think there's a lot of them yeah. that think they're the best tech, but I don't think it's every tech. But but also, you know, uh, if I'm a customer and I walk in the car and I say, okay, I, uh, in your shop, and I say, yeah. I don't, I don't want that Kent guy to work on my car. He's too young. I want that David guy. He looks like he's seasoned. Well, first of all, I might be full of crap. I mean, David yeah. might might suck, and Kent might be your best tech. But what's the owner going to tell me, right? Well, Kent's my best tech. He's the guy that's going to work on my car. He's my best tech. And as a consultant, a trainer, I'm going to tell you whoever's working on your car today is my best tech. Yeah. You know, because they have to be today. That's their job. Yeah. Right? So I'm just saying stop 
eating each other's you, lunch all the have time. You, have you seen some of these the some of the training courses some of these coaching companies have put out? Obviously not you guys, but we we're reading through some of the materials and some of the verbiage. I used. try not to look at any of that well, other let me, stuff. Let me tell it, you because this pisses will, me off. No, this won't piss well, you I off. Like You'll that. be super happy about okay. this. So some of the verbiage is. If you own a Lexus and you come in, part of your pitch is to tell them that you guys are experts at Lexus. I've got a guy who's fantastic. He's an expert at this, that. It's not true. You're just feeding them a line. But that's verbatim the language so that in, they tell. Like Every one of your technicians uh, is an expert in whatever car you happen to own. In, and in that's part shop, of the and, closing. And, and I, have, I have actually <laughs> said those words in front of a class. Okay. In my shop, we had our Toyota, Honda, Nissan guy. Yeah. And he got 80% of his work was Toyota, Honda, Nissan. And when he took classes, 80% of the classes he took were on those jobs. Yeah. We were a generalist shop. I had my Mercedes, BMW, Audi guy. Yeah. And that's his education was that, and most of the work he did was that. Yeah. And I had all ATECs. I didn't have any CTECs or any. And yeah. if you were an apprentice in my shop, there was an ATEC looking over your shoulder. Sure. Okay. So when my customer came in and said, I've got a Subaru, I said, oh, man, I have a great Subaru guy because I had a great Subaru guy. Yeah. Oh, I say it all the time, too. Yeah. If if that if I car. Have. But if, yeah. you have a crappy, if, if you have a crappy Subaru guy, then don't be telling your customer you got the greatest Subaru guy. Don't say you have a crappy guy, but. That, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I'm, I'm just saying that customer comes in with a Fiat. I'm not telling them and go, oh, we have, we we're experts on, at Fiat. I don't work on Fiat's, baby. I'm <laughs> sorry, I, I, I tell them, I it's like, yeah, we've, be easier. Yeah, no, right? I know we've worked on Fiat. Fiat. Guy, I will send you there. We've worked on Fiat's. Yeah, we've had a few come through here. We're familiar. You want to bring it down? We'll, we'll take a look at it. We have processes. Happy to look at it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not feeding them a line. Now, when they come in with a Honda, yeah, I'm going to gloat on my Honda guy. Yeah. They come in with my, with my, uh, Land, he hates Land Rovers. You know he he. Oh, but there's so much money in Land Rover. Well, oh my my, so I have a tech, he, and I hired him. Like three or four months later, he, he's like, "Hey, I, I'm gonna have to put on my notice." And I go, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, this shop up the street. Screw that shop, by the way. There, screw that <laughs> shop." And he's like, "They called me. I had applied there before I came to work for you." I really wanted to work for him because the guy races cars on the weekends and he works on these Land Rover, Jaguar, I think that's it. And he does some Benz. And that's what the car those are the cars that are, that I want to work on. And I go, "Dear, the reason why you're saying that is because you haven't actually worked on them." Yeah. <laughs> and once you work on a few, you're going to realize that these was, are the biggest was, piles you was, have ever worked was on. Was he mentally defective? <laughs> no, no he, he was inexperienced. Okay, is what it was. Right. He, he just he didn't will be know. by the time he gets done working for David. <laughs> he, had, but. he had driven several of them. And he's like, "These are cool cars." And he looked at the technology, and he's like, "Man, these are cool." And he uh, and I can, you know, I, I threw a bunch of money at him and this, that, and the other, and all these concessions. I'm going to do this for you. And he's like, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll stay. And he stayed. And he's been working for me for a few years now. And oh man, when I pull up in a, a Land, Land Rover, Rover and I'm like, there you go, buddy. He's like, I hate you. I hate these cars. I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't leave here and go work for that guy. I would have hated my life. <laughs> it is funny what we, you know, we have these expectations based yeah. on, what we've heard or how we feel Percept, yeah. and there's no reality to it because we really haven't been there. We haven't, yeah. you know, work on Land Rovers for a couple of months and then tell me how much you really love I know, Land right? Rovers. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> and I think every, every, 
maybe not every, but a, a large portion of the guys that the, the people that go to these trade schools, they think they're going to get out and build race cars, right? That's yeah, what they want to you know. do. Or they think they're going to, you know, you have these shows on TV where they're yeah. building these hot rods or these whatever. And you're like, that's what I'm going to do with my it's life. It's all well, trucks. Wait a minute. That's like saying. They go to commercial, they come back, the panel's yeah. in. They're like, oh, yeah, that's how it's going to be. It's yeah. like, no. And I think, you know, I wanted to play basketball when I was young. And, and my whole goal in life until I was like 21 was to play professional basketball. And you know how many people got guys actually play professional basketball out of all the people that want to play basketball 400 out of 8 billion people yeah, and yeah, yeah it's it's it's, like, it's yeah it's amazing you know it unfortunately we're not creating the right expectations in the schools probably yeah. and uh we can't we can't do anything about that or maybe we can if we get together as an industry but as long as we're as fractured as we are nothing it's, it's almost impossible forward. and as long as we're continually backbiting yeah it, there's very little possible for us, yep. right? I agree. So we got to. We just have to stop that. We need to get around a campfire. We need to sing some songs. Kumbaya. Hold hands. Have no, a, screw that. Have a couple of shot, trying to <laughs> trying to screw me. You know what really pissed me off? This is right on COVID. Like COVID hits. COVID hits. I hire my third tech. COVID hit, and now he's my fourth. Yeah. And no, no, I'm sorry. He was my. I hired a second tech, and this guy was my third. That guy had made this this guy an offer, and then when COVID hit, he rescinded it. And he goes, man, I, I don't know how this is going to go down. I didn't because I'm an idiot. And I go, you know, screw it. I don't want to lose out on this on this talent. If it costs me a little money, uh, that's okay. I'll I'm, make it, it through. I'm going to be really tight, and I'm freaked yeah. out that I'm not going to be able to afford it. But you know what? I need to – I'm not going to lose out on this person. And after COVID hit and all the the – Daddy Trump money starts hitting and everybody's going guy wild. Got his and PPP. Yeah, like, I I hit, that gets guy. his PPP and that, the stimmy checks all hit and everybody's just spending like crazy. All of a sudden, he's like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing? Come on down." It's like, dude, he didn't take a chance on you. And what do you think? The minute that his business was was risky, yeah. what was going to happen? Oh yeah, he's going to throw that guy to the wolves. Yep. I mean, there is something there is something to loyalty too, frankly. Yeah. I there mean, is. but I, you know, we need to communicate better instead of blaming other people you know if i've got a problem with you lucas i, I damn well guarantee you and i are going to yep. have a conversation absolutely about it, you know and, absolutely and the other thing that's happened in our society today is if you don't agree with me or if you make me mad you're a bad person yeah absolutely we got to stop that crap it's ridiculous yeah. you know absolutely we don't agree ridiculous. we're not there are things david and i we absolutely don't agree on I, I guarantee we start talking about money. David and I are gonna we're gonna have some heated words. Hey, but we still like each other. Did, did you know? I just want you to hear this, okay? Did you know that he only needs twenty five hours per tech per week from his shop? It's all he needs. Only twenty five hours. Shop is completely profitable. He's good to go, and he doesn't have to go in at all. He doesn't even talk to him. He doesn't have anything to do with the oh, shop. And that is. He is fluffing that story up. The numbers might <laughs> I don't be know slightly. How many times this, over the last couple of days, I've heard stop fluffing the story up. Twenty-five point six eight. Okay. <laughs> I talk to my techs on a daily basis, and we have meetings and the whole nine. It's fine. It's I, fine. I don't care. I want my guys doing forty because at forty, 
I got money in the bank. At 40, I can pay them more than anybody else, and uh, they can have a happy life so and take for, care of their family. So. And I'm, I'm probably trying to reinvent the wheel, but I, we went, I went on this whole like tangent at the last recording, and I, I said, look, I, it's not the hours. It's not the hours. It's the, it's the revenue. Yeah. And like you were yeah, saying, there I is a balance. Yeah. Literally, those words came out of my mouth. If there's a balance there. That? I'm telling you, you dude, you have oh no idea. God. You think I, we I, disagree on everything. Like Surprisingly, had, we was, agree on just about everything. I was sitting in my chair in my office, and all of a sudden I got this tingling feeling, and I started shaking. I was like, what's going the on? The world came in balance all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been that it's, moment. That it's not the was. hours for me, and I, I almost want to move away, and I told this to my yeah. guys, and they kind of looked at me, and they're like, what do you mean we're not we going to track hours? We this much revenue with this much margin and this much profit, that, that's yeah. it. we're done. Uh, that's all I care about, yeah. and it's it's not, and what I told them as well is I don't care how long the job takes you. I don't care that the, the revenue we need to hit is this number. This I make I break it down to a break-even number for them. Yeah. And I said, we need to hit this number. And that means that maybe you do a little bit more, you do a little bit less, and this and we all share jobs. And my guys are all salary. So yeah. we just kind of hand each other jobs. And this guy does the inspection. This guy does the diag. This guy does the R&R. It's whatever. But I said, at the end of the day, we need to hit this revenue. And the only thing, I don't care how long it takes you, and I don't care how you manage your time. You want to sit and watch YouTube videos? You want to take a two-hour lunch? I don't flipping care. Yeah, as long as we, we all get the revenue families. at the end of the day. And I yeah, said, yeah, yeah. it's not even that. I agree 100%, it's, though. The revenue is it has to hit. Yeah. And we have to hit our our expected finish times for yeah, our customers. Yeah, we promised our <clears throat> Yes. We promised our customers. So if the customer yeah. gets told Tuesday, and we have a cutoff time at 4.30. The yeah. car's not done if it's not done at 4.30. I don't care that you finish it at 5.45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's don't, 4.30. Well, I got a customer in my office at 5.45 waiting for the card. Please do yeah. not come to me and tell me you need something else. Yes. They go be fixed. So. so it's 4.30 is the cutoff yeah. time. That's when the car's done. And I said, all that matters is that you finish that car by 2.30 or by 4.30 on a Tuesday because that's what we told the customer and that's what you told us. I said, after. Past that, I don't care that you need to take off early. I don't need to. I don't care. I don't care. You guys are all adults. So you guys are all grown ass men. Handle your business, and then they because <laughs> I, I think I, I told them though. that I told I them really that. the the I, environment I that I have created in my shop the environment he, he's he's right now, now he's on the numbers he's fluffing he's, the story okay oh, no, they're no, no, all no. grown ass men okay I know better I know these boys okay he's, he wants to I treat them, them all like grown grown ass men because I, t- they I told are, them all that you guys are all grown okay, ass men yeah. and here's the thing I don't want them I told them I said you cannot. We we run our shop salaried with a profit bonus and and loosey goosey on one time you get to work, loosey goosey on when you take a lunch, loosey goosey on when you leave. We are like, we just kind of hang out. And I said, that's how we run our shop because that's how I am. And I'm not gonna get to work on time. That's not be a thing. So I'm not gonna expect you guys to get to work on time. I just don't. I'm just the, the way I am. But if the customers are coming in at eight o'clock, someone has to be there at eight o'clock. No, we have an eight thirty okay. start time. Right. Yeah, we have a we have a this this is the line in the yeah, sand the because line. customers are gonna show up. The line. But you know, sometimes they get there. But if you want to come in at six thirty and start a job and do it, I don't care. Yeah, you want to leave at three thirty? That's fine too. I don't yeah, care as I, long as the work gets done. And I I don't care. You guys manage your time. The problem became though is that they had an employee, and I told them it's you guys. Some shops run like a factory. This is the amount of production we need, and we need to fit as much work done in this amount of time as possible. We're going to load up the cars. We're going to walk you like borrowed mules, and then out the door, lots of money. 
Shop owner has boats. Not, not there's anything wrong with boats. It's whatever. I said, we don't run our shop here. You guys don't have to be here on time. You guys can leave early. You guys can take two-hour lunches. You guys can watch YouTube. You guys can play around on your phones. I don't care. You guys want to take a two-hour poop break? Go take a two-hour poop break. But, but... Here's the caveat. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. The employee mindset is when I take my day off, don't call me about the car. When I take my day off, that's not my problem. Somebody else has Fix to make it. up for that work. Yep. Yeah. Because it's, I'm out. It, there's no, there's, the, I punched in, I punched out. And when I punched out, I'm done. And the fact that that car didn't get finished isn't my problem. You call the customer. No, 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 no. You wanted to leave early, which is fine. But this is your baby. The job has to handle be done. your yeah. baby. Right. Make sure that baby has a babysitter. Did you find a babysitter for your baby? No, I didn't. So we have a problem now. Yeah, because the customer got left, left out in the in the, the customers get screwed that. over. Yeah, right. And you're expecting me to pick up your slack. Which, if we have the conversation, I'm happy to have that conversation with the customer, and we can talk about it, and we can work something out. But get something worked out. Don't leave so and so hanging because oh, that's their job, not mine. No, no. No, that's not where we do things here. You decided you were going to watch YouTube videos for 30 minutes, and now the car's not done on time. You didn't manage your time properly. Now now there's a conversation that should have happened earlier in the day, and you didn't do that. Yeah. Now we have a problem. So I got to say so I got I just got to say something because my heart is like fluttering it's missing beats right now because David and I have agreed on three things. Oh my god, this weekend. Oh this, my god. The last couple of days this is the third thing. Let, let me So my guys we we had a 9.6 hours a day or 48 hours a week as kind of that's the goal, that's the target. Yeah. And and by the way, not 80, you know, not 80 if you can, but 40 48 hours a week. Sure. Sorry, I got a. All of a sudden, I'm choking up. Maybe it's because David. I know, right? I <laughs> thought I saw a little tear over there a minute ago. So, so um, I told my guys, I said, if you want to take off on Friday, if you got your 48 hours on Thursday afternoon and you want to take off, and we don't have a customer who's expecting something, yeah, you know that's fine. If my service advisor needed to leave, I don't care. You can yeah. leave, but yeah. make sure the other service advisor knows what you got going, so the customers aren't left in the lurch. We yeah. ran our shop the same in a way, right? Yeah. You, yours is you're saying we got to have this revenue. I said these hours because it equals that revenue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so one day I'm working for a guy named Larry Moore. If you know Larry, uh, if you're on the West Coast, you probably know Larry. He's been in the business forever. Just a really great guy, but a very much D personality like me. Mm-hmm. Very aggressive communicator, etc. He, he he comes through the shop, and he's slamming doors and everything. And he comes in my office, and he starts yelling. I mean, he's he is worked up. And I'm like, okay, first of all, Larry, take it down a couple notches because I'm not going to let you yell at me, and I don't want you waking up in the hospital. Okay, yeah. so just yeah. stop, right? And he so he calms down a little bit, and I go, okay, what, what what's got you worked up? Those effing cell phones. I walk through the shop. I got three guys on cell phones. I don't want to see cell phones. I want cell phones outlawed, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, Larry, before we have that conversation, I'm happy to have that conversation, but before we have this that conversation, I want to ask you two questions. Okay, what's our productivity in the shop? For the last six months, what's the productivity in the shop? He said, well, it's 120%. That's the goal, right? I said, okay, and what's our um, comeback rate? Well, less than 1%. That's the goal. 
I said, okay, shut up and get out of my office. I don't want to hear about cell phones. <laughs> I don't care if they talk on the cell phone all day long. All day long. It doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter to me. If yeah. they can do their job and take a two-hour poop break, take a two-hour poop break. But if, if there's a customer expecting to pick their car up and you take a two-hour poop break and their car isn't ready when that is there, it also – You should have clenched. Business. Yeah, you, you should. Handle your Hold on, baby. I, it, are you going to start taking two-hour poop breaks now? Is that what you mean happening? start? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, there's always this weird echo. We have all these meetings and these Zoom calls. I'm starting to wonder, man, like, is that how you've got it No weird echo. He's got it in the bathroom. <laughs> He's no. working in the bathroom, no, dude. Go knock him. The bathroom's a good place to As long to as work. the goal it's is quiet. hit. Hey, they mean, right? Who cares? It's private. Nobody's coming in. It's that's great. Don't get interrupted. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm gonna mute for a second. Hold on. Oh, that's terrible. That's that's bad. Just don't drop the phone. Okay. See, Lucas's face is bright red no, right now. Just don't I drop the phone. <laughs> Splash. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. So. So, you know, David, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And, and by the way, these, these are grown-ass men or yeah. grown-ass women. They, 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 if, you if you want someone, there's a, whole, um, there's a whole psychological study on how you treat people. Yeah. Uh, and if you treat people like they're adults, most people will be adults. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we, we also have owners that think, well, these are all children. Yeah. And in a way, they kind of are. And sometimes you have to say, wait a minute, you know. Yeah. You don't say, hey, you're being childish, but you say that, that behavior is not okay. Here's how we have to yeah. act. Yeah. But if you create the expectation with them and then you help them to have the tools, and I don't necessarily mean wrenches, but wrenches might be part of it, to meet that expectation. And if you all agree on the expectation. So if you sat down and you said, well, we need to do $40,000 a day, and then you got your three texts and says, well, you can take a poop break if we do $40,000 a day. <laughs> Well, that's not reasonable. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. And so if you have the conversation with, with your, your people who are adults mm -hmm. and you say this is the expectation and they agree to that expectation, yep. then you should be able to let them manage themselves. Amen. As long as you pay attention and you know modify and help and move yep. along. It, it, as long as you verify. Yeah. Trust but Yeah, verify. trust but verify. Plan yep. for the... Plan, plan for the worst, hope for the best. That's exactly and, right. And also, I think there's one more thing. You know, you're in a bit. You're in a business that's um, it's an interesting business. If you work on cars, yeah. first of all, if you, if you work on cars, I don't care. I don't care if you're Scanner Danner. Yeah, you're gonna have a car that's gonna eat your lunch. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And and you gotta you gotta look at that in a in a different way. You gotta say, okay, this this month, this is mine. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you got to take it when it comes. Yes. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have things, you know, days where your phone doesn't ring. And if yeah. you get paranoid and you start, you know, beating up everybody else around you because of that, yeah. you, you can't do it. You send the wrong message and then people don't want to work for you. You okay over there? Uh, my cleaning lady's in my office. Set the alarm off and everybody's going on bananas. Um. <laughs> Hate it when that happens. Yeah. I do too. My cleaning lady, every time they get, she goes in my office, she sets the alarm up. Yeah. Every well, she's time. got a, she's got her own. Um, Mine does too. Yeah. Own code, but yeah. doesn't. Can't figure it out. Man, oh man. Okay. Thank you. Lunch okay. Fun, boys. Yes, sir. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode.
Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.